What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Bleeding BNG. Guys, we made it to episode 12. So I appreciate all the feedback that I've been getting from the last two episodes. Apparently, you guys are loving these realistic um, draft options for the Washington football team episodes. And I'm loving the feedback that I've been getting so far. It's the most um, feedback that we've been getting on any of our episodes. And I really appreciate all the constructive criticism, all the feedback, like I said, all the ratings you guys have left me, all the comments on YouTube you guys have left me. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And like I said, guys, Guys, I want Bleeding BNG to be your draft hub or your draft guide to get you ready for the 2021 NFL Draft. So to give you a timestamp for today's episode, is Wednesday, April 14th. So we're about 15 days away from the NFL Draft, a little over two weeks. And for episode 12, we're going to be giving you some more draft coverage. So the premise or the basis of this episode is we're actually going to take a look as, as, as into, is Washington actually going to draft a quarterback in the 2021 NFL NFL draft. So we're going to give you a breakdown of some prospects, some scenarios that may play out, some of the news and information that has been regarding the Washington football team since our last episode dropped. And yeah, we're going to answer some more of your draft questions. So today's um, episode or the premise of this episode is going to be will Washington draft a quarterback in the 2021 NFL draft. But before we get into, you know, our draft coverage and our quarterback talk, I do want to address some of the news and information that has came out regarding the Washington football team over the last couple of days, you know, since our last podcast dropped. So as I mentioned, guys, today is April 14th. And as of yesterday, um, the Washington football team actually signed a tight end from the International's Player um, Program. Um, so you guys, um, if you guys are familiar with the International's Player Program, it's a program where they um, pull a couple of guys that have been have lacked experience but uh, want to play football and want to experience the NFL. Um, so if you guys can remember last year, we actually pulled a defensive lineman from the um, International Players Program, um, David Bada, who I think is still with the team, and actually the Washington football team signed the tight end, as I mentioned, um, from the same program yesterday, and that tight end is Simi Reyes, um, he's Chilean, so he was from Chile, um, and he's actually a basketball player, guys, so he actually came over from Chile um, at the age of 14 and played college basketball at the University of Tulane, um, and when that didn't work out, you know, he you know, started working, you know, average jobs. I mean, not average jobs, normal jobs. Excuse my terminology. Um, normal jobs, but, you know, he said he always had a dream to, you know, make it big, whether that be in sports or anything, coming over as an independent immigrant from Chile as a 14-year-old. Um, and, you know, he had his press conference today. He had a lot of really interesting stories about himself. Um, and one of the biggest things that, you know, struck the Washington football team community is this guy is a freak athlete, guys. This guy is a freak athlete. We can all look at some of the former basketball players that tried to transition to tight end and were actually very successful at it, such as like Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, and Jimmy Graham. And um, I'm not saying that Simi Reyes, you know, is going to be that. But we have seen the transition to how those basketball skills translate to the tight end um, positions specifically and with these athletic traits that I'm about to tell you guys and these measurables and these numbers that I'm about to tell you guys that Simi Reyes posted at the Flor uh, University of Florida Pro Day, yeah, I have no reason to believe why he can't at least make a roster, have the shot at making a roster. Guys, this guy is 6'6", he bench pressed 31 reps, he ran a 4'6'40", 
and he had a 40 inch vertical jump. So um, I know a lot of people that follow the Washington football team community, especially on Twitter, you guys are familiar with the RAS chart or the Raw Athletic Score chart. This guy scored on a perfect 10. He scored a perfect 10 on the Raw Athletic Score chart. Higher, the highest, higher than Vernon Davis, who we think of as a specimen that played um, the tight end position, and also higher than Kyle Pence, who he actually had the pro day with at the University of Florida. And we're looking at, and I, I consider Kyle Pence a generational talent. Uh, um, type talent at the tight end position so this guy is an even freakier athlete so if we can get him you know he lacks experience playing football but with um our, our tight end coach that developed logan so well p hayner you know if he can you know mold this lump of clay into something i can see us having um maybe a, a diamond in the rough uh, maybe a diamond in the rough that we found through the ipp program um so yeah that's that's basically it um uh, for the news and information that has happened since our last podcast um, the Washington football team did have a few cuts, including Caleb Brantley and Thaddeus Moss, uh, which was a lot of you guys, as you know, practice squad preseason hero last year. You guys thought that he was the still um, coming as an undrafted free agent, but Thaddeus never just, he never panned out. Um, personally, um, I hate to look back in hindsight, but I was never really high on Thaddeus, um, especially, um, you know, when you look at the sample size of his LSU career, I can honestly see why, or his college career, because he did start off at NC State, I can see why, you know, he went undrafted. You know, his athletic profile isn't the greatest. Yes, he did have great hands, but, you know, he was open, wide open half of the time at LSU, and you're not going to get those opportunities in the NFL. So, you know, those sticky hands, you, you're going to rarely display it because you're going to be covered nearly 95% of the time, especially with somebody like Thaddeus, with Thaddeus Moss's um, athletic profile, and him coming off a foot injury didn't help as well. So, you know, he never really you know, got the grasp, you know, got a hold of the ropes in the NFL with Washington. I think the Cincinnati Bengals did actually pick him up, so he does have a chance to play with his college quarterback, um, Joe Burrow. Um, but, you know, um, best off the Thaddeus, and I think that's actually, you know, um, the corresponding move was signing Simi Reyes, because, you know, he, he brings a little bit more as far as um, an athletic specimen um, to the football team. So, you know, the corresponding move from Thaddeus getting cut was bringing in Reyes. Um, so now it's time to get into this Washington football team draft talk. So like I said, guys, the basis of this episode is we're going to take a look at to will Washington draft a quarterback. So in the first round, we're already going to rule out Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. We're going to rule those guys out because it's already determined or, or you know, all NFL circles have, you know, all but damn near confirmed that Trevor Lawrence is going to be drafted number one by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then Zach um, Wilson is going to be drafted number two by the New York Jets. Um, so we're not going to look into them because those guys are kind of unrealistic uh, options at the quarterback position. But we are going to look into some options that we may be able to get um, as far as the first round goes. So like I said, guys, it's April 14th. So a lot of people in the Washington football team from um, community are familiar with all the news reports coming out about the Washington football team actually loving Trey Lance. So the initial report came out from Michael Lombardi on his um, podcast. And, you know, he was he was adamant on Washington's fascination with Trey Lance. You know, he started out saying that he thinks because uh, they started out talking about the San Francisco trade up to number four, uh, up to number three. And then he was saying that he thinks Washington would be the team that will be the next team that unloads all of its picks. Um, so first, let me rewind. Let's go back. And um, 
um, you guys, we're not going to talk about Mac Jones as much because as we're getting closer to the draft, more and more NFL circles are confirming that Mac Jones is um, the quarterback of choice for Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. Now, that may not be true, and, you know, he may be pulling one of the biggest smoke screens of all time, but in a couple days ago, Adam Schefter was adamant that, you know, you know, Mac Jones is the pick for the San Francisco 49ers. No if, ands, or buts. You can almost write it in Sharpie. And then today when I was listening to Colin Cowherd as well, he said he was talking to a few of his friends in NFL circles. And Mac Jones seems to be the guy for the San Francisco 49ers. And while I don't necessarily agree because Mac Jones isn't my quarterback three, I can kind of understand it. And, hey, as a Washington football team, I thank, I, thank, I thank the San Francisco 49ers because I do think we have potential at drafting a quarterback that can potentially be better than Mac Jones or ultimately have a higher ceiling than Mac Jones and can pan out and be a better player in the NFL. So, like I said, we're not going to talk about Mac Jones as much, even though there, there is a chance that, you know, San Francisco, like I said, is pulling the biggest smoke screen of all time and Mac is available later in the first round. But with all the news and information coming out um, within the last couple of weeks, I don't see that as likely. Um, so first, um, as I was mentioning before, the Mike Lombardi report, he said that Washington may be the next team to unload picks and the quarterback that they're infatuated with is Trey Lance. And, you know, um, verbatim, um, his quote was, if Trey Lance begins to slide, you know, Washington's going to get his ass. That's basically, that's what he said. Not basically, that's what he said verbatim. He said, if Trey Lance slides, Washington's going to go get his ass, <laughs> Which was kind of funny to me um, because, like, I've never heard somebody so adamant based off of rumors that he's heard. Um, but he he seems pretty sure of it, and I would love it. Like, you, um, if you're a bleeding BNG fan and you've been with us since the beginning, you know um, Trey Lance was my pick in the mock offseason episode, and I thought he might have been had at 19. Um, and as we move later throughout the draft season, that has come less and less likely as he's beginning to rise up draft boards, or as more NFL teams have begun to watch more film on him because, like. I told you I was on it from the jump I've loved this guy since the 2019 season but apparently Washington has the same infatuation that I have for Trey Lance. So Trey Lance is a 6'4", 225-pound quarterback out of North Dakota State. And I'm, and some of the reasons that I believe that Mike Lombardi's um, report may be true is because um, Scott Turner and Marty Herney went to his first pro day. I believe that they'll be going to his second, which is scheduled to take place next Monday. And, you know, he, he he's somebody that I believe fits what the um, what Scott Turner is looking for in the, in his offense, like I told you guys before, I think that Scott is looking for a athlete. Scott is looking for somebody that can run those RPOs. Scott is looking for somebody that's a good ball handler that can run play action and things like that. And that's what Trey Lance's game is all about. And a plus side, he's a plus athlete that can that can be one of your best runners on your roster. Um, he's coming from a pro style system playing at North Dakota State, and I know a lot of you guys listening to this talking about. Uh, or thinking about man, North Dakota State that's the FCS school like what competition is he really playing but guys we got to consider you know some of the best quarterbacks that have played have come from smaller schools kind of like a guy that Trey Lance actually reminds me of Trey reminds me of a young Steve McNair somebody who's fearless somebody who's going to keep plays alive somebody that can use their legs you know not necessarily the fastest burner but he's physical when he's a runner and he uses his legs often to extend a play I think that Trey Lance might actually be a little bit faster 
faster than Steve McNair was. But all those traits, especially coming from an FCS school, um, led me to make those correlations. And it's, it's, it's a trait that I honestly see. Um, it's a comparison that I honestly see. Um, Trey Lance actually had opportunities to play at the FBS level. He actually had a couple Big Ten scholarships to play outside linebacker. But he actually chose to go to NDSU um, to play quarterback, which I commend because it actually worked out for him. You know, um, as, as I mentioned before in previous episodes, this is somebody that had a 29 to 0 touchdown to interception ratio in the 2019 season you know in his only um in, on his only game this year um playing in that one game sample of a season you know he didn't have his best throwing day but he had 200 yards as a rusher so he's somebody that can give you all different types of flavors as a quarterback and he'll be he's he's my preferred quarterback out of the options that I'm going to be giving you guys today. Um, he has a strong arm. In his pro day, he was throwing balls 55, 60 yards with a flick of his wrist. Um, I, I love his mechanics. It's somebody like He has a bunch of potential. He has a bunch of potential. The only knocks that I've actually seen on Trey is that he actually only started, what, I think 17 games as a starter, and he... Um, and he actually played in the FCS, which are my biggest concerns because we've seen uh, Carson Wentz, you know, in his second season have MVP level type success uh, coming from North Dakota State, coming from the same system with that pro style offense. You know, um, Carson had a lot of success. I know the Eagles didn't win a lot of games in his rookie year, but Carson showed glimpses of a franchise QB nearly right away. You know, he torched Washington in uh, I think either his first or his second game as a quarterback in the NFL, which is you know promising. I know we're thinking about Carson um, now lately coming off his 2020 season, but you know he's dealt with a, a lot of injuries. You know. Um, a lot of news reports are coming out of Philadelphia that that wasn't the most structured organization and it might not have been the best situation for him, but he's somebody that has shown talent, which is why I, I have a lot of promise for Trey Lance. I think he's even um, a more dynamic athlete than Carson. I think he has a stronger arm and I think he has even higher upside than, you know, uh, prime Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz's prime may be short, but that prime was, you know, MVP level. And I think if we, if Trey Lance is able to sustain that success in the NFL, we'll definitely have our quarterback um, for the future and, and then some, you know. Now, um, uh, I know it's been a lot of talk about Washington potentially moving up, and they'll have to move up to draft Trey Lance. Like I said, he has risen up draft board since our mock um, offseason episode. But, you know, uh, I think that it's feasible. You know, um, I don't know. I have heard reports that, you know, Atlanta is looking to move back from four, um, Trey back from four. I don't know. I, I feel like that's kind of rich for Washington to be moving up nine, uh, 15 picks from 19 um, to four. Um, that would take a lot of draft capital. But if you guys believe that Trey Lance is your guy, is your guy, do it. Do it. Like, do it. I know it's going to take a lot of draft capital, but like I told you guys in my first episode, I think that this team's window to contend for the Super Bowl starts now. So, you know, risk that draft capital. We see the teams like the Los Angeles Rams give up first-round picks all the time. Now, they haven't resulted in a Super Bowl, but they've had a lot more success than us in recent years. You know, it's a lot of teams that don't value the, um, that draft capital, um, especially when you're picking in late, um, late in the rounds because you you're coming off a, a successful season. Um, so uh, I think a more likely scenario, even though I do think that, you know, they love the guy enough, Washington can absolutely jump from 19 to 5. Um, you know, it's going to take a little bit more than... Um, you know, San Francisco did to jump to three. Um, but, you know, maybe um, a swap of this year's pick, an additional 
um, two first round picks for maybe 2022 and 2023, along with a third round pick this year. I maybe I think that may get the job done, um, which will leave us with um, the fourth pick this year, but also with our 51 pick. And we also have to consider that we do have an extra third round pick this year coming from the Trent Williams trade with the San Francisco 49ers. So I'm all I'm all for trading for Trey Lance, as you guys know. Like I said, as you, if you guys are bleeding B and G um, podcast fans, you go you guys know I'm a I'm a Trey Lance guy all the way. He reminds me of a young Steve McGillier or a more athletic Dak Prescott because he as a runner he is a strong runner. Like he will truck you. I know it's on the FCS level, and I get a little concerned um, worrying about how that, you know, skill translates to the NFL. But at 6'4", 225 pounds, he is somebody that will dip his shoulder down and truck you. Um, one of my favorite players that I've noticed from watching film of him is um, there was a mishandled snap, um, and I think like a linebacker or a DB. It wasn't a defensive lineman. A linebacker or DB actually picked the ball up heading the other way. Trey Lance tracked him down, <laughs> broke down, you know, broke down and made a, a solid open field tackle a, a textbook open field tackle so that shows me that he's willing to do whatever it takes to win a game and that's a quarterback that i want so like i said um a more realistic scenario is if he actually slides to seven or eight um which i think um detroit um has you know uh detroit and carolina have those two picks i can actually see washington um actually pulling the trigger and um going to get his ass like uh, michael lombardi said um and then the next quarterback that i want to talk about is Justin Fields. Justin Fields is 6'3", 227 pounds, and he is also an athletic specimen playing at the quarterback position. At his pro day, he ran a 4.44, a 4.4440, um, and he's somebody that I like as well, um, and he's he's a very divisive figure um, throughout the Washington football team community. I made a tweet last week saying that I actually thought that this Trey Lance um, news was actually smokescreen, and that Washington was going to select Justin Fields, and so some of the replies I got from that, you know, a lot of some, uh, a lot of, a lot of, you know, Central Washington football team fans actually love the move. But some of the replies, you would have thought Justin Fields smacked some of those guys' mothers. Like it was crazy. Some of the replies I were getting, um, and a lot of the replies, the negative replies I were getting, were based off of. Six negative plays that he had this year. You know, the couple of interceptions that he threw against Indiana. Uh, I think he struggled um, in one more in the Northwestern game. He struggled in that game. And those were the repeat, you know, games that were being brought up when mentioning this film. And we like, I'm, I'm just sitting here like, guys, you guys are talking about six games out of a, a COVID season when he didn't have as much time as he usually does with his receivers. But nobody wants to talk about what his 40 to 2 intercept touchdown to interception ratio in 2019. Like it, it, nobody wants to wants to talk about how he won the big the Big Ten in, in two straight years, transferring from Georgia. Like the the the, the Justin Fields hate is it, it it grinds my gears, especially you know when you get reports coming from like Dan Orlovsky questioning his work ethic, and this is one of the reasons why I actually think that Justin Fields may actually be washing his guy. Because with these recent reports talking about his work ethic, you know, I feel like he's the most, you know, likely quarterback to slide, to seven or eight. Uh, it's actually pretty feasible that, that Justin Fields is actually there at seven or eight. I'm not as as high on that possibility for Trey Lance, but I think it's actually a pretty feasible um 
option um, or a pretty realistic scenario that Justin um, Justin Fields is there at 708. And we're, I think that if he's there, um, we should pounce on him. I love Justin Fields as a quarterback. Um, I do like Trey Lance a little bit more, but Justin Fields is an upgrade over whatever we have. And if you want to sit him behind Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year, you can do that. You can do that. That Ryan Fitzpatrick insurance you have it. You have it. That's why I love the move of signing him, um, especially at that price point for this year. Um, one of the negatives that I've heard, other than his work ethic, is, um, you know, he, he's coming from Ohio State. But, guys, one of my biggest phrases when looking at players and looking at these draft prospects is you can't scout the helmet. You got to scout the prospect. We got this is a freak athlete who won ninety percent of his games in college. Um, you know, coming from a four, running a four four four, and one of the reasons, like I said, that I think he might actually be Washington's quarterback is because he's the most likely to fall due to all these negative reports coming out, which we don't know is true. And Dan Oglaski tried to clean up after. Um, you know, which, you know, Kirk Herbstreet, I think the same day refuted it saying no. And he's, he's more tied into Ohio State than Dan Orlovsky could ever think of. And one of the reasons that I also think he's likely to pick is because if you guys have listened to Kevin Sheehan, um, you know, the Washington, uh, the ESPN Team 980, not ESPN, the Team 980 um, radio personality, he has been saying that the Washington Brass has liked field since December or January. So I don't think that the infatuation just goes anywhere, you know. It's, it's a lot of fire where the smoke is. And like I said, um, when Ron said, you know, we're going to look at what the teams um, do ahead of us um, in the draft and his um, post-free agency press conference, I really believe that. So, you know, if he looks back and he sees that Justin Fields is sliding down the board, I believe that he's another quarterback that Washington will go get. Word to Mike Lombardi. <laughs> All right. So those are the options for the first round. I don't think that Washington will entertain any other quarterback in the first round. But I do think that there's some options that they may entertain in the second round, whether that be at 51st or trading up early into, earlier into the second round for some of these quarterbacks. Um, so I do know um, one of the draft strategies that has happened, um, one of the draft tendencies that has happened a lot in recent years is that um, a lot of teams take flyers on quarterbacks, hoping to get that fifth-year option in the first first round because you know when you when you sign a first round prospect they get a five-year um you have a chance to sign them to a five-year extension rather than a four-year cap on their deal um but i don't think um washington is necessarily going to look at these guys um for that um scenario but i do think if they're available at 51 or trading up earlier into the second round i do think that washington will look at these three potential quarterbacks the first quarterback that i want to talk about is kellen mon he's 6'3 211 pounds and he's another athlete like i said guys i think that scott turner is looking for athletes in this um to run this offense you know that's why i believe the reports coming out that trey lance um that washington is infatuated with trey lance because i feel like scott turner is a modern day modern type play caller and he's looking to pull all the stops out of this playbook um you saw his you know versatility within his play calling whether that be in the ravens game this year where he was throwing a bunch of screens and passes at, at the line of scrimmage because he thought that was the only way that Dwayne haskins could beat the washington football team or the game plan that he pulled out for taylor heineke against um the tampa bay buccaneers in the playoffs so he showed versatility in his schemes but i just think that he's ultimately looking for a athlete and that's one of the biggest been uh that's one of the biggest traits that Kellen Ma actually possesses. He was a four-year starter at Texas A&M, and he's coming off his best year. You know, he jumped up from his um, 
junior year, we had a two to one touchdown interception ratio to almost tripling that to six to one this year, which is amazing. Um, one of the biggest knocks um, that I've heard about Kellen Mond is that he doesn't have the best accuracy, but he improved in that year in and year out. So I think that he can benefit. Um, he can benefit from a year sitting under um, Ryan um, Fitzpatrick, where he can develop that accuracy to an NFL level. But one of my favorite things about Kellen Mond is, other than the fact that he is a dual threat athlete, is that he throws from many different arm angles, and he's a winner. He's a winner. He, you know, he had Texas A&M winning games since. You know, Texas A&M hasn't really won as much as they have with Kellen Mond since Johnny Manziel. You know, Texas A&M went through a kind of a dry spell in between Johnny Manziel and um. Kellen Mond, and that's one of my favorite things. I love quarterbacks that elevate their their team's play. You know, um, that's one of my biggest knocks on the big school quarterbacks, even though um, I don't believe in scouting the helmet, is a lot of those big school quarterbacks have so much around them that they don't necessarily have to elevate their teammates' level of play to win games. But Kellen Mond did that, and he especially did that this year where I think he had um, Texas A&M in the top five at one point, which is amazing, which is amazing. Um, like I said, one of my favorite things he throws from numerous arm angles and he actually showed off his arm strength in his pro day throwing multiple numerous 50 plus yard to 60 yard balls um i think he had one of my favorite throws of the pro day season he rolled out left cocked it legit all the way to the right all the way to the right side of the field and made it and he actually scripted his, his scripted his own pro day which i heard that nfl coaches loved and he's shown his he's shown um the leadership that he's displayed throughout his four years at texas a&m so you know i do believe that you need some accuracy and i am i do have some accuracy concerns about him i think he can develop that sitting a year behind ryan Fitzpatrick, and he can come um in the 2022 season guns are blazing because the the traits are there you know 6'3 211 pounds he reminds me a lot of Kyle and Kaepernick coming out of Nevada. Um, his throwing motion is way better, even though his throwing motion is a little wicked. If you guys can remember, Kaepernick kind of had that wind-up throwing motion, um, which was slow. You know, Ma's, um throwing motion is, while it, while it isn't necessarily traditional or prototypical, it's a lot faster. Um, he throws with a lot of arm. He throws with a lot of arm. Um, which I think comes from his baseball background, which also um, comes with, you know, him throwing from those multiple uh, angles. And that's actually something we've seen, um, a trait that we've seen with a lot of recent um, quarterbacks that have had success, like Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield. These guys have had baseball backgrounds, which enabled them to make off-platform throws a little bit more natural. So I would love, you know, Colin, uh, Kellen Mond at 51. Um, another, another quarterback that I want to mention is Davis Mills. He is 6'4", 217 pounds from the University of Stanford. He is inexperienced. He only has 11 starts in under his belt, but he's coming from a pro-style offense, and he also played in the Pac-12, um, which is um, which is some, some of the benefits and some of the positives. Um, and there's been a lot, um, maybe not as much as Trey Lance, but there's been a lot of rumors and you know names swirling in the Washington football team community that Washington is interested in Davis Mills outside of the first round um actually a Washington football team reporter actually talked to David Shaw because of you know him hearing about you know Davis Mills name being linked to Washington in draft circles and when he um I do want to give that reporter some credit his name is Zach Boyer I believe and when he did talk to David Shaw you know David Shaw said that he believes that Davis Mills is an NFL starter um 
Um, I believe that if Davis Mills actually stayed in college for an extra year, he has potential to be, he had the potential to be the first overall pick in the 2020 draft, uh, 22 draft. Cause he's shown those traits. He's shown that potential. It's just the, about the consistency for him, which is understandable. You know, only ha having 11 starts, but you know, Davis Mills is a five-star was a five-star prospect coming out of high school. And he, he's, he's a very underrated athlete. Um, watching his film, one of the things that I didn't like, I didn't necessarily love his pocket movement. He got a little bit erratic in the pocket, which is surpri surprising because if you look at him pre-snap and things like that, you know, um, before the ball is snapped, he reminds you of like not saying he's as talented or as good or is going to play to the level of these guys just talking about how they look visually. Um, he... he it, Pre-snap, he kind of has that, you know, that sheriff kind of feel, that general kind of feel, kind of like a, a Philip Rivers or a Peyton Manning, which I love because, you know, breaking the huddle, you know, you got to be at ease. You know, he seems to know how to be able to read defenses for somebody that's lacking the experience. So imagine if he, you know, sits under um, Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year. He's going to be even better, even better at that, not only just sitting under a year, but sitting under somebody like Fitzpatrick who has seen every defense in the book. Um, and, you know, like I said, I thought that, you know, he was erratic in the pocket, but then he came back and ran a 4.59 in the elements at his pro day. And then he completed, what, 50, 52 or 56 balls in the rain at his pro day. I, I, and that's why he's rising up draft boards. I've heard a lot of people saying that a team may trade up late in the first round um, to dra draft Mills just for him to um, just for them to um, secure, you know, that fifth year extension option. And if that does happen, I do think that it'll suck um, because I do think that'll suck for Washington because I think that this is the perfect guy to draft that 51 as far as value and as far as potential. Um, I, I like Davis Mills like, a lot, um, the quarterback out of Stafford. And then the uh, third quarterback that I wanted to mention is Kyle Trask. He's the biggest of all the quarterbacks as far as girth and burliness. He's 6'5", 240 pounds. So he's more, he's the most, you know, prototypical pocket passer out of all the quarterbacks that I've mentioned so far. Um, one of my biggest, the biggest thing that I like about Kyle Trask is that he does a really strong arm. You know, throwing outs outside the hash, you know, getting the ball, splitting between the corner and safety and the cover two. He's shown that he can make all the throws on the NFL field, which I love. But, as I mentioned... He is a more traditional pocket passer, which I think the NFL is starting to get away from with our athletic, you know, D linemen and athletic edges and athletic linebackers. That's why I think that, you know, one of the most important traits a quarterback can have um, in today's game is that, you know, they're able to make all platform throws or throws on the run and things like that. You know, when the play breaks down, you need to extend the play. Are you able to do that? I didn't see a lot of that from Kyle Trask at um, Florida, but he wasn't necessarily asked to do that a lot based off, you know, the talent that he had he arguably played with the most talent of any quarterback that I'll mention maybe maybe Mac Jones but we got to remember that Jalen Waddle was um hurt for half the season so um Kyle Trask playing with guys like Kadarius Tony and the generational tight end talent that Kyle Pitts was you know he had he had a plethora of options and 
one of the biggest things that scared me off from Kyle Trask was his bowl game performance when those guys weren't there sitting it out due to, you know, um, the COVID protocols or, you know, preparing for the draft and things like that. He he was so erratic in that game. He, did, he looked like he didn't even want to be there after the first quarter. Now, I know he was missing a lot of weapons, but like I told you guys a couple minutes ago, one of my favorite traits is a quarterback, in, a, in a quarterback is seeing how they elevate guys, and he was not able to elevate um, his guys in that bowl game. Um, honestly, um, like I said, I do see a strong arm in Trask, but he is a risk taker. Um, he is a risk taker that has bad feet and a slow release. So, you know, there's, there have been, you know, reports coming out that Washington has, um, like Kyle Trask. Um, I think Kevin Sheehan, Kevin Sheehan has even mentioned, um, Washington liking Kyle Trask as well, but he has to work on a lot of things before he can be, um, you know, an everyday starter in the NFL, in the NFL. And, you know, sitting behind a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick can benefit him. You know, I'm not saying that in, it, it's never going to happen because he was very productive, um, this past season um, at Florida. Um, he was very productive all the way to the bowl game. Honestly, like that was his only flaw of a football game this past season. And, not not just not because they went to the same school, but Kyle Trask reminds me a lot of Rex Grossman. Now I know a lot of people in the Washington football team community are gonna be like, oh no, and you know, we 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 don't necessarily have an affinity for sexy Rexy, but we gotta remember that Rex Grossman did start a Super Bowl. Now I know he did play with a historically great defense, but Rex Grossman did make his fair share of plays throughout his career in Chicago. And you know, um, you know, Rex was a gunslinger. You know, he's somebody that that had faith in his arm. He was a below average athlete. And not just because they went to the same school. I see a lot of Cal Trask and Rex Grossman. So, you know, are you going to get the good Rex or are you going to get the bad Rex? You know, one of Rex's biggest issues was his consistency as well. And also that he just didn't care. You know, Rex, Rex thought he had the strongest arm in the world. He just chug it in the triple coverage, which I saw, not triple coverage necessarily, but I saw Kyle Trask take some shots to, in double coverage um, while I was watching film. Now, I don't know if that's just because he had that much faith in Kyle Pitts, um, being that he's the best tight end to come out of college in years, um, which is understandable. Um, but it's some of the throws that I would not want to see him make if he was drafted by the Washington football team. So those are the three options that I'll mention um, that Washington may take a flyer on in the uh, second round. That's Kellen Mond from the Texas A&M, um, Davis Mill from Stanford, and Kyle Trash from the University of Florida. Um, and we're just going to look at those quarterbacks for right now for the first two rounds and really give those guys an in-depth approach because I, I believe that if you go past the first round, Washington isn't going to necessarily entertain any quarterback options unless it's like a Jamie Newman who sat out this year. Um with Georgia um, after transferring from Wake Forest, but he's a big um, athletic quarterback as well. I don't think he's necessarily as fast as Trey Lance or Justin Fields, but he's somebody with that same type of body um, type that can extend plays. And, you know, he can use his legs and get outside of the pocket, and he has a very big arm. So I, I'm a big Jamie Newman fan if we were to draft a quarterback outside of the first two rounds. Um, a couple more quarterbacks that we may look at outside of the first two rounds is Peyton Ramsey and um, from Northwestern and Felipe Franks, who um, Kyle, who actually lost his job to Kyle Trax due to injury and finished up at the University of Arkansas this past year. So that's it for today, guys. Um, so hopefully, you know, you guys are a little bit more prepared just in case Washington does draft the quarterback. You know, with all these rumors swirling and, you know, with, only, with it only being two weeks leading up to the NFL draft, we don't necessarily know what to believe. So that's why I, that's why I gave you all this information to cover. Um, and 
and to listen to and utilize as you get ready for the 2021 NFL Draft. Like always, guys, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I appreciate all the feedback that you guys are leaving me in the YouTube comments, in the um, in the Apple Podcast comments, or all, all the star ratings. I appreciate all that, all that, all that. And like I always say at the end of every podcast, please, please follow our Instagram. I'll tag it in the video uh, for my uh, YouTube fam, uh, for my um audio fam listening to podcast only our instagram is at bleeding that's b-l-e-e-d-i-n-g b-n-g that's our instagram is at b-l-e-e-d-i-n-g b-n-g bleeding b-n-g our twitter is a tad bit different um our twitter spelling is our twitter handle spelling is at bleeding b-n-g it's b-l-e-e-d-i-n b-n-g so it's only one G in our Twitter handle. I'll say it one more time. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. And also, follow us on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Like I said, I really appreciate those comments. I really appreciate the feedback that I've been getting. Subscribe to our YouTube. Follow our Twitter pages. Follow our social media pages. And be tapped in because we're coming out with more Bleeding B&G content as we get ready for the NFL Draft. See you guys.